to date, you know, we've done 180 organized cleanups. So we've mobilized um, more than 10,000 volunteers. Um, and uh, we've removed over 111 tons of trash from the beaches, the sand dunes, and the heritage sites of Qatar. Hi, my name is Jose, and I live in Qatar. Hello, thank you so much for joining us here today on this episode of Qatar and Quotes. My name is Ken Khresha and I'm the host today. I'm the director of the Doha Environmental Actions Project, which is a volunteering organization here in Qatar, and I'm from the USA. Well, we're so happy to have you here with us today. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you're from, where you grew up, and how you came to be in Qatar today? Um, I'm Mexican-American. I grew up in Mexico and then I immigrated to the U.S. when I was young. Um, I went to school there, graduated, got a job. I was climbing the corporate ladder and all of a sudden um, my family, my wife and I decided to move to Qatar. And uh, I left uh, behind the life I knew and moved to Qatar with my wife and three children. And what, what were the factors behind that decision? Well, um, you know, it was... My wife, uh, she got a job opportunity here. Uh, she's a professor of um, biological sciences, so um, it was a tempting opportunity to go explore the world. We had a conversation and said, do we do it now or do we do it when we retire? Uh, you know, travel the world, that type of thing. So we said, nah, let's do it now. So that's how I ended up here in Qatar, and it's been three years now. You're the director of the Doha Environmental Actions Project, so how did DEAP come about? How was it established? Yeah, so, so DEAP is a, a volunteering organization, um, you know, just leading the fight against plastic pollution and the beach cleanup movement in Qatar. Um, plastic pollution is a global issue. It's a big problem. Everybody's trying to figure it out. And we wanted to do our part. You know, um, plastic pollution is very pervasive. Um, people, I don't think people see it the way we do until they come along on a cleanup because once you leave the city and the comfort of a very nicely manicured and well-kept city and country um, you realize that you know we do have a bit of a problem just like everyone else and as you mentioned it's not that obvious that the problem is very prevalent in Qatar until you see these areas where they're not very well kept so how did you identify the problem when you came to Qatar well you know to me it was very evident uh, the first time I went to the beach um, I lived in Miami before, so I'm, you know, I'm familiar with living on a beach city, um, and I was surprised to see the amount of plastic litter on the, on the beach. You know, lots of bottles, lots of bags, and it's normal. You see it everywhere, right? Because everybody has this problem, but here it was very pervasive. It was very noticeable for me, so I was shocked. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the organization does? So, well, uh, mainly what we do is the beach cleanups, and I do a number of um, school presentations, education, if you wish, um, just to raise awareness, uh, to teach uh, children and adults um, about um, marine life in Qatar. You know, I hear all the time, oh, there's nothing in Qatar, it's, it's all brown, it's just desert. Uh, and people will be surprised to see the amount of biodiversity that we have out there in the desert and in the ocean as well. So, of course, I talk a lot about plastic pollution during those presentations. And um, 
you know, my main intention is twofold. One is to raise awareness, but the other one to fire them up uh, so that they say, okay, I have to do something. Whether that is joining us on a cleanup or, or doing something else, you know, creating an uh, eco-committee at school or uh, starting recycling in, in their houses or in their compounds or in their apartment buildings or whatever that might be. So, so some educational activities and a lot of um, beach cleanups with um, the general public with schools, as I mentioned, and I also do, I call them, you know, corporate cleanups because uh, I have a lot of companies that want to come and also lend a hand, do, do what they can. So um, we do a number of corporate cleanups as well. How would you identify a location for a beach cleanup? Because um, I've seen on your Facebook page you have a lot of beaches that are quite far from Doha. And then how do you go about organizing this whole thing? What's the process from very beginning? And I know that this also involves carpooling and getting everyone to the location until you end up with the trash bags on the side. Uh, we don't go to places that are, you know, that require 4x4 four four because we want to make this accessible for everyone. Um, so... Typically, um, we now from experience, we know the places where we, we can go. It all depends on what kind of experience we want to have. Our slogan is discovering Qatar with a purpose. So we want people, we want to raise awareness on plastic pollution and trigger people to take action. But we also want people to discover Qatar. You know, we want to show the world and people how beautiful Qatar is. Um, so choosing a, a, a cleanup location sometimes is uh, like, hey, do we what do we want? Do we want to... A beautiful beach with a nice, white, soft, uh, white sand beach? Or, or do we want, um, you know, not, not a spree of a beach, but that is more littered? Do we want a bigger cleanup, smaller cleanup, that type of thing? So uh, it really depends on, on, on what we want to do. Do we want to go to the desert? Do we want to go to the singing sand dunes, which we just started doing again now that the weather is nice here? Um, so typically the way it works, you know, we post on social media, on Instagram or on Facebook, uh, where we're going on a pre-COVID world, uh, people will just say, oh, I'm coming. We have a meeting point. Everybody shows up. We organize a carpool and we take everyone with us. So we did that for a hundred and maybe 65 cleanups uh, until COVID came. Right. So we were actually very proud to say that we never left one volunteer behind. We always managed to find a way to carpool and take anyone who wanted to go on a cleanup with us um, before COVID hit us we you know we were getting 100 to 150 people uh, on average every Friday um, so of course all of that changed uh, with COVID uh, we had to shut down for three and a half months or so and um, we started again when phase two kicked in um, that we don't have a carpool right now uh, people can still join, but they need to have their own transportation or organize their own carpool. We arrive in the beach uh, clean or the sand dune cleanup location, and uh, we clean up for an hour or so. And then we spend an hour, we call it social time, you know, it's just enjoy a clean, a clean beach. Uh, some people bring a football and they kick it around. Some people go swimming. Some people just want to relax. Um, on a pre-COVID world, we would share food. You know, with the, everyone, with all the volunteers, some people will bring karak, somebody else will bring chapati, whatever it is, you know, we share. And once you've reached the end of a cleanup and you have um, all of the trash in the trash bags, what happens then? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. So what we do is we make a big pile of, uh, 
of trash with the bags. We get bags to collect the rubbish from the Ministry of Municipality and Environment. Staple the bags so we don't lose anything to the wind and the elements. And then, you know, just using common everyday technology, I take a photo on WhatsApp. I send a WhatsApp message to the Ministry of Municipality and Environment with the photo on the location. And they uh, come pick it up, you know, within 24 hours to 48 hours maximum. Um, it's all gone. So it, it works pretty good. What would you say is the most difficult thing about organizing these beach cleanups? I know now post-COVID, you've mentioned a few things, but pre-COVID, did you have any difficulty? Well, the biggest challenge uh, was um, the carpool. You know, to be honest with you, um, I mean, first is getting established, right? Once you have a good base of volunteers and you're you're known in your community, you know that that's no longer a challenge. Uh, what becomes a challenge then is we have a lot of volunteers who don't have vehicles, and it's like okay, organizing that carpool was very challenging. You know, sometimes it, it had to be me calling every friend I knew that had a car and beg them to please come to the cleanup so we could take, you know, all the volunteers that had uh, expressed interest. Um, but eventually, you know, we also managed to get some support from uh, local companies. Uh, Seashore Recycling, a Seashore company, um, they, they were facilitating a minibus for us because it was just getting a little too complicated. I mean, when you have 100 plus people and you have to find rides for them, for most of them, it's, uh, it's very time-consuming. So uh, now, you know, in, 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 in post-COVID, uh, we were not doing that, so it's not, it's not that challenging. Uh, I think now the challenge is how do, you, how do you keep the numbers, the number of volunteers low? So, so I have to create a registration process. And before, it was like, I just show up in this meeting point, but let me know if you're coming so I can more or less try to balance out the, the carpool. Uh, but now it's like you must register um, because I want to know exactly how many people are coming. Uh, so, so we don't, you know, we don't, we keep the numbers where they need to be. I, mean, I can imagine it's quite hard, but it's also nice to hear that there's so many people who are willing to come to the extent that you have to kind of control the numbers. I was wondering if you'd be able to provide us with any statistics. Like, do you typically know how much trash you collect, how many volunteers you have, this kind of stuff? Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, actually, I'm, I'm an industrial engineer. Um, so numbers and metrics are very important to determine, you know, whether or not you're being effective. Uh, so to date, you know, we've done 180 organized cleanups. So we've mobilized um, more than 10,000 volunteers. Um, and uh, we've removed over 111 tons of trash from the beaches, the sand dunes, and the heritage sites of Qatar, you know, during all those cleanups. On average, a volunteer uh, picks up uh, 11 kilos of trash. And, um, you know, depending on the, the, the size of the cleanup, you know, we've had cleanups with 10, 15, 20 volunteers. We've had other cleanups with 300, 400 volunteers. Uh, it all depends on what kind of uh, cleanup or project we're working on. Some sites became a project, you know, like the whole area was very badly littered that we have to go back you know 10 15 times um, but just uh, continuing our work so that we could say okay we finished this area what would you say are your aspirations for the future 
Well, you know, uh, people always ask me that question, and uh, and and um, you know, the easy answer is like, well, I want I want people to stop littering Qatar, right? I want people, uh, I want Qatar to to be clean and 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 beautiful for generations to come. Um, but really, what what I what I want is just to be able to continue doing what we want. You know, we need to continue doing the work we do. We need to continue raising awareness. We need to continue bringing the attention of those who actually may have the ability to to have a major impact against this problem in the country, you know. Um, and, and, and I think we've been somehow successful doing that, but we have a lot of work to, to do, you know. I tell people that I feel now, I feel that the wave of change is kind of like coming for the green movement. Two, three years ago, it was very different, you know, and it, it felt very lonely because nobody cared or at least that was a feeling that I had you know and I think nowadays it's different you know from Qatar Foundation to the Amir in, in his speeches and obviously the 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 the, the World Cup in 2022 um, and, and all the sustainability efforts that are going behind that you know has created um, I, I think more of a common ground for all of us to have these conversations and particularly for us to talk about plastic pollution and say like, hey, what, is there anything we can do? Uh, which is key also to our message. You know, this is not about what so-and-so is doing or not. My message to people is always, well, what are you doing? What am I doing? You know, whether that is, okay, I'm not gonna buy single-use water bottles anymore. Well, that's fantastic, you know, because you probably are using a few hundred or a couple thousand of them every year, right? So if we all of us do some, uh, small uh, changes, um, that could have a, a huge impact on the environment. For some people, it's, okay, I'm going to start putting my trash in the bin. Bravo, that's a good start. Some others may choose to recycle, to compost, to go vegan or vegetarian or whatever it is. You know, it's a journey. So we just need to find people where they are, meet them where they are, and hopefully be able to provide some ideas for them to take action. And along the note of raising awareness and making this like a common discussion topic, I saw that you've been promoting a documentary on your social media titled A Plastic Ocean. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, thank you. Um, well, you know, we are about to have a sustainability week in Qatar, right? So it's, it's a big event where... Uh, the Qatar Green Building Council um, puts a lot of uh, resources and emphasis on all sorts of sustainability issues and efforts in the country. I wanted to share with the public um, a plastic ocean. It's a great documentary about plastic pollution. Uh, it's shocking if you have watched it. Um, and if you haven't, I strongly recommend it. Um, I watched it three or four years ago and, you know, I was... It changed me, um, you know, that kind of triggered me to do something. I contacted the the producers and, you know, I, I bought the rights of the film for the month of October, you know. And uh, so what I'm doing is uh, sharing a link with people. They uh, direct messages, we share a link and they can watch the movie and just educate themselves a little bit more. Could you tell us a little bit about how um, working in DAP has changed your lifestyle? Well, you know, uh, it's uh, it's been a 180 degree change for me. Um, as I told you earlier, I'm an industrial engineer. I was an operations manager working in the food industry. Um, and then I, 
You know, I tell people I'm an operations manager turned environmentalist. It's it's a very different uh, life. Um, you know, now again because of COVID, things have changed um, drastically. Three three or four times a week, I was somewhere in Qatar in a school doing a presentation, right? And if I was not in a school doing a presentation, I was probably somewhere on a beach with school children doing a cleanup. Um, you know, it, it really gave me the opportunity to be a lot closer to the youth of our community and, um, and spending a lot of time outdoors because um, I do spend a lot of time outdoors. So I feel like when it comes to the topic of plastic pollution and helping the environment, a lot of people feel as if they can't really make a change. Like, oh, this is such a global problem. How can, you know, me picking up this plastic actually make any difference? So what would you say to these people and how would you suggest they can help if they can't attend a beach cleanup for whatever reason? You know, that's a very good point. Um, and, and, and I think it's, plastic pollution is such a big problem that it's sometimes overwhelming and very easy to just give up, right? Um, so... I, I, I think that people need to realize that individual small changes make a big difference, right? As I, as I said earlier, if you and I stop using single-use water bottles, or if you and I stop littering and we actually put the trash in the bin, well, there is 8 billion people in the planet, right? If I say, oh, I'm going to switch to a reusable water bottle, or I'm not going to buy more single-use water bottles, I mean, that's nothing. It's really, it's not a new habit that you have to build or a new skill that you need to acquire. It's just a very practical, very simple thing that you can do on a daily basis. I love the term imperfect sustainability because I, I oftentimes think that people get hung up on the idea that you have to go full on and become a tree hugger or an environmentalist or whatever you want to you know, call it to truly be able to make a difference. And, and, and it's not, that's not the case. You know, you just have to do small little changes on your everyday actions. So at least for me, the, the list of opportunities is just endless. Well, I think it's really, really inspiring what you've done. And I do agree that I think maybe a wave of change is coming. Maybe it's starting to become normal that people care more about the environment and implement it into their lifestyles. So thank you so, so much for joining us here today, for telling us about DAP. If, if what we do resonates with anyone, you know, uh, feel free to join us on Instagram or Facebook at um, deep underscore Qatar or deep Qatar on Facebook. And um, we do cleanups every Friday. They're open to the public. Um, and let's just do what we can to keep Qatar clean. Mm -hmm.